Astrology is as old as civilization itself. And today, it's easier to access than ever before thanks to the internet and smartphones. This week on Throughline, how astrology almost went extinct and made a remarkable comeback. Throughline from NPR, the podcast where we go back in time to understand the present. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. This week, we're going to step away from Alt Latino World Headquarters and head down to Cali, Colombia. Well, actually, I'm going to stay put. And instead, we're going to have Alt Latino contributor Maria Paz Gutierrez to take us back to her hometown for a massive music festival. First of all, welcome to Alt Latino, Maria Paz. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Yeah, we're excited to have you be part of the team. Okay, in a nutshell, tell us about the festival. Who is it named after? And then what are we going to hear in your report? The festival is called the Petronio Alvarez Music Festival. It happens once a year in Cali in August, and it's named after Petronio Alvarez, a musician from the region who's Afro-Colombian, a guitarist, a composer, and is one of the early innovators of the music of the Pacific. And it's a five-day festival. Yes, it lasts five days, and it's a huge party with food, fashion, drinks. People from all over the world are coming down. It's basically the biggest Afro-Colombian party in the nation and arguably one of the biggest celebrations of Black identity in the Spanish-speaking world. Okay, somebody had to go down and cover the party. That was you. Let's check out your report. Let's do it. Right now, you're hearing thousands of Afro-Colombians dancing, waving white bandanas, singing along, partying, getting lit. This is in spite of Cali's sweltering August heat, because they've been waiting the whole year for the Petronio Alvarez Music Festival. marimba, that's the main giveaway that we're listening to currulao music, a genre that in a lot of ways defines the sound of Colombia's southern Pacific coast, a region that is mostly black. And as you can hear, people go crazy for it. The whole thing is a huge party. And if you ask any Afro-Colombian how parties in the Pacific get started, they'll say one word. Viche. Viche. It's called biche. Biche means sort of not yet ripe. So it's a, basically a kind of white rum. It's kind of similar to cachaça, Brazilian cachaça. That's Michael Birenbaum Quintero. He's an ethnomusicologist at Boston University and a fellow Colombian-American. He spent many years on Colombia's Pacific coast studying its music. Biche is very important because obviously you can drink it and get drunk, but it's also used for different kinds of herbal preparations, different kinds of medicine, and all of them, at least for the purposes of the Petronio, are advertised as a, um, let's call it a natural Viagra or something like that. Y el biche está en el nacimiento y en la muerte. En todo lo que tenga que convertir en un ser humano, ahí está el biche. Michael and I are with Rosmilda Quiñones Fajardo, the head of Asoparupa, an association of midwives in the region. She tells us biche is present from the cradle to the grave. 
Viche is not regulated or mass-produced, so people like Rosmilda travel from all over the Pacific, a region that's literally on the margins of Colombia, to showcase it and sell it here. Michael tells me that Viche is finally having a moment and that this is a big deal. Because Viche used to be like this horrible, worst of the worst, moonshine. People really, really didn't sort of understand this, certainly as any kind of artisanry. It was really just seen as kind of like, you know, a step above drinking, I don't know, cans of Sterno or something. It's just been in recent years because of events like the Petronio that people are finally starting to warm up to Viche drinking culture. And Michael says that's really important because packed inside these bottles is the ancestral knowledge of many black and indigenous communities of the Pacific. And as far as the Petronio goes, an event centered around music making, Viche is key. Here's Michael again. There's also a lot of sort of ceremonial use in the, in the, the way that the saints are worshipped and the drumming. There's a kind of ritual consumption of Viche that's also used in order to sort of put the musicians and the participants kind of into a heightened state. It's a heightened state of drunkenness, but nonetheless, it's sort of used in this kind of um, important sort of mystical sort of way. So it's, it's very complicated. It's used for many things. And of course, it's also used for getting drunk because, I mean, who doesn't like getting drunk? Everybody likes getting drunk. Which reminds me, we are on a mission. Uh, I'm down to try out some Viche if you are. You want to try some? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Listo. So I'm about to drink the Viche Curao. Here we go. So let's just say Viche has a kick. Oh my god. <laughs> La carita lo dice todo. <laughs> it's Michael's turn, so he tries one of Rosmilda's specialties, Toma Seca. It's made with condensed milk, cinnamon, and of course, Viche. All right, wish me luck. Oh, it's good. I can feel it burn as it goes down. I feel it going down and down. My tongue is dancing. Yeah, this is really good. The bad thing about the Toma Seca, if you drink too much, is that the hangover is really bad because it's very, it's very sweet. As I'm saying goodbye to Rosmilda, suddenly, out of nowhere, across from the Viche stands, a couple dozen Afro-Colombian dancers and musicians start to perform. So right now we're seeing a bunch of young people, I'm guessing that they're high school students, in these very beautiful, very bright colored uniforms. The women in these long dresses, um, and the men in these like flowered shirts, and they're doing folkloric dance in these lines with each other. And then on the, on the side, you have a, a, another bunch of young men, the musicians, who are drumming on, um, on like plastic tubs. I think this is a kind of dance from Choco, the northern part of the Pacific coast, the Choco. And it's all young people, which is really cool. It's not like old people, traditional people. These are young people that are learning about their own culture and learning to have a, an emotional investment in how important it is. The dancers slow down and settle into a play. When I hit the drum, my body moves. I walk to the rhythm of the river, to the rhythm of its tides. When the performers wrap up, Michael and I walk over to a food stand called El Sabor de Mi Tierra, 
the flavor of my land. There, Michael orders some muchilla, crayfish, a typical dish of the Pacific. So, hold on. Let's back up a second. I'm sitting with these two gigantic plates in front of me. I'm like covered with like shrimp refuse um, on probably on my face and all over my hands. It's super delicious. My face is right in the middle of this thing. Oh, it's all on my face. I can feel it. It's all in my teeth. I can taste it. With food in my teeth and all, we get a little serious. Michael tells me this festival is put on by the city of Cali, which kind of throws me off. What I do find interesting is that in a country where budgets are tight, that they're still like invested in, in making something like this happen that may arguably be quote-unquote not necessary. You know, Colombia has a ministry of culture. Not every country has a ministry of culture. A whole ministry. And the reason why that exists is because a national identity isn't something which just happens. There's been in Colombia historically a really important idea since the since really the 1990s that one way out of the the violence and the civil conflict in Colombia is for people to sort of take ownership of themselves and of their own lives and have a kind of exposure to their own history. And the idea is that by practicing culture, it gives people a repertoire of things to do besides killing each other and other things that they can value besides easy money. Michael describes the Petronio Music Festival as a window into the culture of the Pacific. And that's because the people of the Pacific to this day are still very disconnected from the rest of Colombia. I mean, it's very telling that Petronio, an event about the culture of the Pacific, is held here in Cali, which, by the way, is not even in the Pacific region. It's actually a couple hours east of it. But because of the high rates of poverty and violence in the Pacific, it's held here in Cali. For the love of the earth, the people demand a solution, sings Elena Inestrosa. She's a proud black poet and a cantadora or singer, and she leads Integración Pacífica, a 10-member ensemble that's performing at this year's event. The lyrics of this song say, this is for the pain of mothers. We don't want violence. The people demand a solution. Like many of her Afro-Colombian paisanos, Elena was displaced from her hometown of Timbiqui because of Colombia's ongoing civil war. And the song that you're hearing is a personal account of not only surviving, but also resisting the violence in her community. You know, somebody like Elena knows stories about what's happened there. And what she's doing here is she's communicating those stories in a way which not only tells those stories in a kind of everyday sort of way, but also connects people's individual stories with the broader history of, of violence and marginalization and the armed conflict here in Colombia and here in the Pacific Coast in particular. People on the Pacific Coast are disproportionately affected still by the violence in Colombia, and this is something that Elena has seen firsthand. And when I say, when I say displaced by violence, I don't mean, I mean, this is something that 
um, up to like the mid 2010s, this was the largest population of people who had to leave their homes anywhere in the world. It was there with South Sudan, it was there with Syria until Syria really, really got bad. But the Colombian experience, though, is, and especially in the Pacific, is very much of being forced to leave your home. of days before Elena's performance at the Petronio, Michael and I actually visited her home on the other side of town. So we're on a rooftop in a neighborhood called Los Lagos in the eastern part of the city of Cali, a part that's called Distrito de Agua Blanca, the Agua Blanca district. This is a very working class, very poor um, part of the city. This is where a lot of the people who have migrated from the Pacific Coast have come to live. Elena reminds me that the members of her band, Integración Pacifica, are from all over the Pacific Coast. Nariño, Buenaventura, Timbiquí. Pero el día domingo a las dos de la tarde es sagrado aquí con Integración Pacífica. And every Sunday, if it's 2 p.m. in the afternoon, you'll find Integración Pacífica here. Que yo no veo la santísima hora que llegue el día domingo para yo estar con mi gente, que hablamos el mismo dialecto. We speak the same dialect and share the same customs, she says. We know the same places. We understand each other. Elena told me this is one of the few places where they can feel like they're back in the Pacific. So one thing that's really important about Cali is that this is, and this neighborhood is that this is a place where people from different parts of the Pacific encounter each other. And so they can also, you know, um, experiment a little bit. They don't have to stick necessarily to the old repertoire from their hometown because they're learning other people's repertoire. Elena says she first moved to Cali about a decade ago, and that the first poem she wrote was titled Por qué me voy? Why am I leaving? Por qué me voy? Por qué me voy? Por qué me voy? Adiós. In it, she describes the experience of leaving Timbiqui behind and traveling for days on canoas, boats. Buses, only bringing the things that she could carry, as well as her music and her memories from home. Es muy triste llorar lo que he llorado. Es muy triste sentir lo que he sentido. Pero más triste es dejar lo que he dejado. She reflects on having her heart broken into pieces and how the conuno, a drum, erased the sadness from her soul. El conuno, el guasá y las voces cantadoras borraron la tristeza de mi alma. Y dije así, me liberé. 
Me liberé, me liberé, Music freed her. cantamos por cantar, cantamos por contar, cantamos por comunicarnos. We don't sing to sing, she says. We sing to tell stories. We sing to communicate. Nuestra historia. Esta es la manera más fácil tradicionalmente contar nuestra historia. Now she's able to share those stories with her son Jose, who's 20 and is Integración Pacífica's marimba player. Para nosotros es que este trabajo, esta música del Pacífico, es de nosotros. This music is ours forever and ever because this is our tradition, she says. Our roots, the deepest part of our being. Esto es lo más profundo de nuestro ser. Even though she's grateful that the Petronio exists because it's a platform for her community, she wants to remind people, we are not Petronio, we are black with or without Petronio. Somos y seremos negras, con Petronio y sin Petronio. The day after visiting Elena's home, I actually went to the Petronio by myself. But this time around, knowing Elena and her story, things felt a little flatter, a bit less authentic. So I didn't really stay long. And then on my way out... Oh my gosh, what are the odds? DC! A lot of refugees down here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from, from all DC, from, Especially from DC. It used to be a refugee from DC right now. I ran into an African-American man who was also walking around the festival. His name is Loomis Kendrick, and he's from Washington, D.C. Basically what this festival shows to me that we are all African-Americans on this side of the Atlantic. Most people, if I don't say anything, if they don't hear me speak English, they think I'm another Afro-Colombian. No one's going to look at me and say, oh, you're from some other country. This is Pan-Africanism as it exists today. People here from all over the black world. We've got people from the Caribbean, and I'm hanging out with someone from, who came here from uh, Africa, and we all are here to celebrate the African culture, which is common to all of us, and here it is celebrated more openly than any place else that I know. Loomis was hanging out with Phoebe Mwanza, a Zimbabwean who lives in Australia. So I'm just curious, I, I don't know how you feel here. I like. feel at home. So in Australia, I have this, um, I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm different, but in Cali, I'm not. I just feel like I blend in and it's great. Africa in exile. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, exactly. To Elena's point, the Petronio Festival is not the Pacific, 
but it is an introduction into the region for both outsiders and local caleños. It's a place where you can fall in love with the music. It's also an event where black folks from all over the world can feel connected. But most importantly, it's a place where local activists, musicians, and friends from all over the Pacific can celebrate and reclaim their history, where they can proudly shout, we, Afro-Colombians are here, and we're Colombian too. Okay, so if you're still with us, you're probably eager to jump into some of the recorded music of the Pacific. So here's Michael Birenbaum Quintero once again with his take on some classics. If anybody knows one song from the Pacific, only one song from the Pacific, they'll know Mi Buenaventura. Mi Buenaventura is Petronio Alvarez's most well-known, most long-lasting, most covered, most popular song. Mi Buenaventura was recorded by one of the most emblematic artists called Peregollo y su combo Bacaná. What's Bacaná? Bacaná are the three different states or provinces in the Southern Pacific, Valle, Cauca, and Nariño. And Combo Bacaná is a group from the 1960s, probably the most well-known, the first commercially successful, and one of the first recorded groups from the Southern Pacific, led by Enrique Tenorio, also known as Peregollo, was the band leader of Combo Bacaná. And Mi Buenaventura is a song that's based on a curula rhythm adapted for guitar in this very cadentious, loping sort of beat of curulao. And it's about the city of Buenaventura, and it uses this gorgeous, very poetic language. You know, the shimmering waves that arrive and leave my beautiful port of Buenaventura. And it's a real ode to the city, to the city of Buenaventura. Buenaventura is a city that has seen better days. There's a huge problem with violence there, political corruption, but it's also a city that really, really loves life. It's a joyous city. It's a black city. And it's a city that's really sort of proud of itself and, and proud of its roots. It's a, it's a, it's a really wonderful place. And in some ways, that song, to listen to Mi Buenaventura in the present day, really sets up a kind of nostalgia, not only a nostalgia for the past, but an understanding of the possibilities for this city that has such a beautiful, vibrant, human component and cult set of cultural resources, and what kind of future a city like Buenaventura could someday return to having.
Another track is Rio Timbiki. Rio Timbiki is a huga. It's by Grupo Canalón. The usual main singer of Grupo Canalón is Nidia Sofia Gongora. In this track, it's actually her mother who takes the, the lead voice, Oliva Bonilla. This is the classic Southern Pacific huga sound. Huga is the name of the genre. You can hear the marimba, you can hear the bass drums called bombos. There's also a kind of like a drum, kind of shaped like a conga drum, that's called the kununo. And it features really strongly a fundamental component of Southern Pacific music, which is the voices of the cantaoras. You can hear her sort of gruff, matronly sort of character in singing the song about where she comes from, the, the, the river Timbiki. And in the Pacific, in the, the rural communities, the river is everything. The river is how you get up and down the river to other places, because that's the only way to go is by, by boat. The river is where you do your laundry. The river is where you bathe. And the river is, in many ways, the, the way that you tell time. Because with the tides, as the tide goes up and the tide goes down, the water is you know, cleaner for doing your laundry or whatever, or is better for traveling upriver or downriver. So when people talk about the river, they're not only talking about the river, they're talking about their lives. They're talking about everything. The rivers are super important. The rivers have the gold that people mine. Right? The rivers have the fish that people fish. So the rivers are super important. And Brio Timbiki is about a dance that's going to be held in one of the communities up the river. And it's saying to the river, take me to this place, take me to this fiesta that's up the river, and you know, don't drown me, let me arrive safely. Because the river can also be a, you know, a place of danger in many ways. Bailen Samorindo is a straight-ahead kind of traditional chirimia by Cecilio Lozano, El, El Negro. El Negro Cecilio, as he was known, was an important euphonium player. Euphoniums are important in Colombia because they're a very, very important part of the brass band that's in chirimia. Chirimia usually has a, a clarinet that does the melodies and then a second clarinet or saxophone that does sort of background and then it has the euphonium or as they call it in Colombia, bombardino. The bombardino is like the bass but it also like pops in and does little melodies or pops in and does little adornments. There's a lot of popping in and doing little ornaments. A lot of the themes when they have melodies are about different kinds of situations between men and women, um, a lot of sort of romantic and sometimes sexual lyrics. 
And this is a kind of music that's associated with the big festival that they have every year in Kibdo, the capital of Choco, which is called the Festivals of San Francisco, or as they call him familiarly there, Sampacho, right? Francisco is sort of the formal name, but they call him Sampacho, the nickname. And this is around uh, St. Francis of Assis, who's the patron saint of Kibdo. And they have every single day for like a month, each one of the neighborhoods in Kibdo has a little like parade with Chirimiya music. And everybody's out on the street, everybody's dancing along with this music, there's costumes, there's all kinds of stuff going on. This is festive music, this is party music, much like another kind of music which is very similar in its history to Chirimiya, which is Dixieland and New Orleans brass band music. What is this? This is black musicians with brass bands like swinging and, you know, commenting on and improvising and adorning all of these different sorts of melodies, right? And so that's what you have in Chirimiya. What an amazing festival, amazing amount of music. Maria Paz Gutierrez, thank you so much for your report. Thank you for having me. It really was as awesome as it sounds. And no doubt, no doubt about it. I can also tell in your eyes. You can't see on the radio, <laughs> but I can tell you're all lit up. This episode was reported out and produced by Maria Paz Gutierrez, and it was edited by me, Felix Contreras. And a special thanks to Michael Birenbaum Quintero for his expertise and his book, Rights, R-I-T-E-S, Rights and Rhythms, which helped me so much in my reporting. Also, check out our website to see the list of songs that he suggested. We are at npr.org slash altlatino. You can also find a full-on playlist that he put together for those of you who want to jump in even deeper into the music of the Pacific and Colombia. Don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to know what you thought. You have been listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. I'm Felix Contreras. Thank you so much for listening.